Good morning. morning. And I'm Norman, and this is what you get today. Um, if you don't have a worship guide, I suggest you raise your hand and let somebody give you one. There's going to be bullet points that are worth writing down. We are uh, looking at three warnings today. They're in the book of Jude. Uh, if you don't know where the book of Jude is, find Revelation, and it'll be one page right next to the book of Revelation. Uh, there's only 25 verses. One of those verses is uh, number 11, and that's the only verse that we'll be looking at uh, today. Uh, it's written by Jude, who's a half-brother of Jesus. Uh, the brother of James, that's not the James that was part of Thunder and Lightning. It's not James the Lesser, but it's half-brother of Jesus, the leader of the Jerusalem Church. And the author of the book of James. And uh, so we want to look at uh, Jude has some warnings here uh, against uh, false teaching and doctrine. And that brings us to this verse 11, and uh, here's, it's in your, your bulletin guide, but here's, here's the verse. Woe to them that have gone in the way of Cain, have run greedily in the air of Balaam for profit, and perished in the rebellion of Korah. Now those warnings from Jude are for people who want to be in the kingdom of God and want to be successful as followers of our Lord. There's a verse in Romans uh, chapter 14 and verse 17 which says uh, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink but the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. I point that out to you because these warnings are for those people, kingdom of God people. When I said the, the Bible says the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, it means the kingdom of God is not temporal and it's not of the flesh. When it says the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, it's saying the kingdom of God is eternal and spiritual. So these warnings are about eternal and spiritual things alone. If you're playing church, just take an app or pull up a game on your phone. Uh, no need to listen. But here's, you see, uh, you've seen on the screen that uh, there's a skull and crossbones and danger signs keep out. Because Jude says, woe to them. And that's a warning. So the warning number one from Jude to us is to not go the way of Cain. You'll probably know this story. It's in Genesis chapter 4. In chapter 3 of Genesis is where Adam and Eve messed up, got put out of the Garden of Eden. Uh, all had been well. Every provision they'd ever needed was there. There was protection. 
There's no sickness, no death, no sweat. And then old Slewfoot slipped by and the enemy, uh, Satan's, slivered up and told them a lie that they bought into. And you know the rest of that story. The result was that they ate of the forgiven fruit. They were kicked out of the garden, lost all of those benefits, separated from God, brought upon themselves the pain of childbirth, the sweat of the brow, diseases, physical death, nakedness, sin, guilt, fall of mankind, and so on. That all happened in chapter 3. In chapter 4, it tells us that Adam and Eve had two sons. Abel was a herdsman. He raised animals, probably sheep and goats, but he was a herdsman. And Abel knew that there was a God and the God was to be worshipped. In fact, especially at harvest time, you need to bring the first fruits and, and uh, to thank God for his uh, provision for you. So when that time came, Abel went out among his flock and he got a, a goat or a, or a lamb uh, that was without blemish, a uh, fatted calf, whatever. And he brought that animal to a place of worship and he built an altar and uh, put that animal on that altar and there he worshiped the Lord. And the scripture says that God was there and was the audience of worship. He always is. He's here this morning. He's the audience of your worship. And when God saw Abel's worship and knew his heart, God was pleased and he accepted the worship of Abel. Now Cain, on the other hand, did not have an animal on his place. He raised fruits and vegetables. Cain was aware that God was to be worshipped. So when it came time to worship, now I'm going to use some license to preach here and make up something, okay? But here, um, I want to give Cain grace. So I believe that when this time came, Cain went out among his fruits and vegetables. And he picked basketfuls of turnips and sweet potatoes and apples and so on. And he loaded them onto a little wagon. And he was on his way to his brother's house, Abel's place. And he was going to trade his fruits and vegetables for an animal so he could worship God. But on the way, old Slewfoot slipped up beside Cain and said, can we talk? And he said, just think about this, Cain. You have raised these fruits and vegetables with the sweat of your own brow, with your own hands. You've got blisters on your hands. You've, you've prepared the soil. You've planted the seed. You've tended to them. You've trimmed and, and you've picked them and and now you're going to take something 
that's yours to your brothers and swap for an animal that you've never seen. You've never watered it. You've never fed it. Wouldn't it be more sensible for you to give to God what's yours? Fruits and vegetables raised by your own hands rather than something you swapped your brother for. Cain said, now that makes sense. Satan's going to tell you not to worship. It's in you. You're going to worship something. He's not going to tell you not to worship. He's just going to tell you who and how. And Cain said, that does make sense. So I'm just going to give God what I raised. So he goes back, turns around, makes an altar, puts his fruits and vegetables on that altar, and begins to give God thanks. God was there. God shook his head no. He could not accept that. He could not accept that because without the remission of sin, uh, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. There has to be a blood offering for the remission of sin. And he, he, he would not accept Cain's offering. Made Cain so mad, he killed his brother. But here's the warning. When Cain was turned down by God, when God shook his head no, if Cain would have just repented and said, you know you're right, I was on my way to my brothers to get an animal, and Satan talked me out of it. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Abel would still be alive. But the warning is, you try to do it Cain's way. And when God said, I cannot accept it, Cain said, well, let's talk about that for a minute. Let me tell you why I decided my way would work. Because I raised those fruits and vegetables. There's no worm in them. They're grade A. And it's, you should accept it. And I think God said, if you get blood out of a turnip, we could talk. But you see, the warning is that Cain tried to explain how the kingdom works to God whose kingdom it belongs to. See, that's the warning. Now, I think I've got a $20 bill here that my wife don't know I have. <laughs> and um, I think I can explain what we're trying to say here, what Jude wants us to know can you all pretend? Okay, let's pretend that it's Saturday night. And you always do, you're doing what you always do on Saturday night. You're getting ready for worship on Sunday morning. Well, it looks like some of you don't do that on Saturday night. You just don't show up on Sunday morning, do you? Not prepared? 
Well, see, on Saturday night, you lay your clothes out to take a bath. You read your lesson one more time. You pray for the pastor. You pray for people to be saved. You know, you do those things. And then you get your tithe and offering ready. So we're pretending now. So as you get your tithing offering ready, I'm going to make this simple because I'm not uh, any deeper in that myself. But anyway, there's a, there's a great theological issue that nobody's been able to solve down through the ages. God requires 10%. And, uh, but is that 10% of the gross, or is that 10% of the net? The Bible doesn't talk about that because there wasn't any IRS in Bible <laughs> times. So. And we didn't do that in, in Bible times. You know, we didn't. Now, you earn, but you can have your house payment and your, your retirement and everything taken out of your check. So what you bring home is not what you make. So the question is, do you... Tithe off what you bring home or, or, or what you actually make? Well, I think the answer to that is Jesus said, whatever measure you use, he'll use to bless us. And I'll take care of that. But let's just say it's Saturday night. You're getting ready for church on Sunday morning. So you're getting your tithe ready. And you made $200 last week. That was gross. You brought home 150 that was net. So you say, well, 10% of 150 is $15. And I want to give God an offering of $5. So you get a $20 bill like this. $15 of this is tithe. The other five is offering. Well, you can write a check or whatever. But, but that's how it is. And then on Sunday morning... You drop this $20 in a box or offering plate or whatever. And when you do that, God says, where's my offering? And you say, well, let me explain that to you. See, I made $200, but I only brought home 150 So 10%. No, that's the wrong answer. If God says, where's my offering? You say, evidently, I didn't bring one, right? He would be the one who decide what's tithe and what's we don't. You understand, we don't explain the kingdom. To God we obey we participate in it but we don't explain it that's the warning that's the warning from Jude that's your that's a bullet point this means this means that that you cannot have it Norman's way you cannot do it Cain's way now, Elvis and Frank did real well singing and selling a song that says, I did it my way. But you're not going to find that in a hymn book. You're never going to sit to James. You're never going to sing, I did it my way on Sunday morning worship. Not probably not. You know what you will hear or find? Have thine own way, Lord. Have I no If you're going to succeed in the kingdom of God, you're going to do it God's way. And that's a good idea because if all of us had our way, 
wouldn't be much of a kingdom. If you're going to succeed in the kingdom of God, don't go there. Don't even think you can do it your way. That's a warning number one. Warning number two from Jude is you don't want to make the error of Balaam uh, for profit. This story is in the Old Testament as well. It's, it's in um, chapter 22 of Numbers. And in this, in this story, I'll give you a little backstory. Uh, these, these names get confusing. Balak, B-A-L-A-K. Balak was the king of the Moabites. And the Israelites were coming, had, were out of Egypt, and they were on the march toward the Promised Land. And they were moving toward Moab. And uh, God was obviously on their side, on their side, and and uh, even though Moab was had a great army and had everything they needed, uh, the king understood that. With, with, they couldn't stand up against Israel and their God. So Balak was pacing the floor. He was anxious and uh, wringing his hands. What, what are we going to do? We're no match for Israel and God. And then he thought of an idea. He said, I, we're going to hire Balaam. Now, Balaam's business was witchcraft. And I don't know how that works. I don't wonder how that works. But, but in divination and Ouija boards and fortune telling and all that kind of stuff is what he did. And somehow in that, if you got him, paid him to curse somebody, they were cursed. That still goes on in some cultures. So <clears throat> he sent some men to represent him. And he said, go find Balaam and offer Balaam the going rate to curse the Israelites. They found Balaam late one evening. And they said to him, the king has sent us. He wants to know what you'd charge to curse the Israelites. And if you would do that, we could hire you. And Balaam said, well, it's late in the evening. You all need to bed your animals down, yourselves down. You need to get a night's rest. And I'll spend the night in prayer, and I'll, I'll give you an answer in the morning. So at breakfast, Balaam told those men, God said, no, I should not curse the Israelites. So they left. They went back to Balak, the king, and said, we found him. We offered him the going rate. He said no, he was, couldn't do that. Now Balak was even more concerned and pacing the floor. And then Balak said, Ugh, how stupid can I be? I didn't send the right people. And I only offered the going rate. Every man has his price. So this time he sent his cabinet. They were in three-piece suits and briefcases. 
they found Balaam in the evening. And first they apologized on the Balak's behalf. We apologize that they only offered you the going rate. Now, by authority of the king, we can offer you whatever price you ask, up to half of Balaam's of Balak's kingdom. Profit margin went way up. And Balaam said, "We all bed down for the night, and I'll pray about this again." I heard about a preacher. They got a telephone call, and his wife heard him say, yes, sir, no, sir, I'll get back with her and stuff like that. When it was through, she said, what was that about? He said, that was a call from another church, and they're looking for a pastor. And they wanted to know if I wanted to come be their pastor. It's a church that has about four times as many members as we have. They got a brand new facility. They pay three times what I'm making here. And she said, what would you tell him? He said, I told him I'd pray about it and get back to him. She said, do you want me to pray with you? He said, no, you just start packing. <laughs> I'll do the praying. Already made up his mind, the profit margin went up. See, that's the warning. If you know this story, they started out the next morning after he agreed to go with them. They started out, but Balaam never did curse the Israelites because on their way, his donkey threw him off on the ground and talked sense into him while he laid there. This is not a bullet point, but it could be. You're not going to see it in, succeed in the kingdom of heaven if you're dumber than a jackass. <laughs> I'm just saying. That's what Jude's saying. You understand that? It's, not, it's eternal. It's not of the flesh. It's spiritual. It's not temporal. This is, this would be this would be selling your birthright for a bowl of soup. How are you going to succeed in an eternal kingdom when you're impressed by men and money which are not going to last forever? That's the warning. Don't go there. Don't even think about it. If men and money impress you, you'll never succeed in the kingdom of God. That's what Jude said. Warning, don't go there. Danger, keep out. That's warning number two. The third warning is that you don't want to perish in the rebellion of Korah. I've been around a long time and I can't hardly find anybody who's ever heard of Korah. K-O-R-A-H. This is in Numbers as well, but it's chapter 16. Here's the backstory here. When Moses was leading the Israelites out of Egypt, Ed said last week that 
there could have been two million Israelites coming out of Egypt. Well, actually, there was two and a half million. Uh, I'll correct him on that. But however, that could have just been men because they didn't always count women and children back then. But at least, at least, you've got Moses leading two and a half million people on a 40-year camping trip. You want to sign up for that one? You ever take two kids on a vacation? <laughs> he put his hand on my side to see. You know. How many times you heard that? Uh, every, every little complaint that the Israelites had, they took it to Moses. So I have to remind you that the Israelites did a lot of complaining. They complained about everything. You know, wonder how many times, because they packed up every morning, moved everything, set up again every night. How many times Moses heard he put his tent stake on my side? Jethro was, was his father-in-law, Moses' father-in-law. He came to visit Moses, and he, he, he recognized quickly that Moses was burning the candle at both ends trying to solve all their problems. And he said to Moses, you're going to have to come up with a plan. Looks to me like you got two options. One of them is, is to be like the government, and you'd have a president, you'd have governors, you'd have mayors, and so on. And let the, let the mayors take care of small stuff. You know, it gets higher, governor could, and then the president, but but you just handle the small stuff, I mean, the, the big stuff, and let them handle the small stuff. Or else, like the court system, you got a Supreme Court, and then you got lower courts. And, and again, you just be the Supreme Court and take care of the big stuff. And Moses said, that's a good idea. So they, the Bible says that they took 250, found 250 men that had leadership ability, and they divided the Israelites in the Exodus into 250 small groups. It's probably 10,000 in a group, right? And, and that one person just oversaw 10,000. And then if he couldn't handle that, they'd get together, and then if it got really bad, they'd go to Moses. And I gave Moses some breathing room, and it worked well until Korah, who was one of those 250, just said, I'm a jam-up good leader. I'm a born leader. Moses, on the other hand, sucks. We're just going around circles. We're not making any headway. So he wanted Moses' job, so he started a rebellion. He started it with his tongue. Read James chapter 3. It's the way all re rebellions are started. The next morning when they went to the local coffee shop, those 250 men, he said to those other guys, have you ever thought about this? Why is Moses in charge? You know what he told us? He told us he was out in the wilderness minding his own business. 
when he heard something, he looked over there and there was a bush on fire. It wasn't even being consumed. He went over there to see what was going on and the bush spoke to him, told him he could be boss. And we bought into that. And you know who the high priest is? His brother. Y'all know that ain't right. You can't pick your brother. So he said, we're going to have us an election. The people have a right to choose their leader. So we're going to have an election. I'm going to pick me a running mate to be high priest. And we're going to run against Moses and Aaron. If you all want to run, we'll have runoffs and primaries until we get her settled down. But I'm going to run for Moses' job. Now, Moses tried his best to put that rebellion down. He tried to talk to to Korah, and he said, uh, I didn't want this job in the first place. I told God I wasn't fitted for it. I didn't want to do it. But he wouldn't let me not do it. I'd still give his job to you if he'd let me. It's not what it's cracked up to be. But that didn't stop Korah. He was in a rebellious mode. So finally, God said to Moses, if you'll just step out of the way, I'll slap that sucker. I'll, I'll, put, him, I'll, I'll put him in line. You can read that in there. It's in there. I'll put him in line. And Moses said, no, you know, Moses was always going between God and man. He said, no, don't do that. Let me see if I can't work it out. So finally, Moses said, well, let's do it this way. There's 250 of you, and you all have a rod. And has a rod. So all 251 of you put your rod in the tabernacle and leave it overnight. And early in the morning we'll go into the tabernacle and the rod that has a bud on it will be the one that God has chosen. So the next morning they went into the tabernacle early. Aaron's rod had budded. 249 of them said that settled that. Korah said, not necessarily so. How do we know Moses didn't slip in here real early in the night and swap out Aaron's rod for one that had budded? Moses said, well, let's do it again. The next night, 250 rods in the tabernacle. Early the next morning when they go in, Aaron's rod had all four seasons on it. Moses said, reckon how early I had to get up and pull that one off. <laughs> Wasn't enough for Korah. He still wanted Moses' job. So finally, Moses kind of agreed with God and said, well, let's let God handle it. If Korah dies a natural death, we'll know we've heard from God, and Aaron and I'll resign. You can choose your own leaders. But if Korah dies an unnatural death, we know God has spoken. 
just like that, a sinkhole. And Cora was gone. You know, the Bible says two men went to heaven without bothering to die. One of them is in Genesis chapter 5. His name is Enoch. Enoch walked with God, and God took him. The other one was a prophet named Elijah. Maybe if you want to die without going to heaven without dying, you've got to have a name that starts with E. I can't prove that, but <laughs> it looks like that. But Elijah the prophet went up to heaven in a whirlwind, chariot and all. But you know the Bible says one man went to hell without bothering to die. His name was Korah. That's a bullet point. You want to burst hell wide open? Rebel against the authority of God. That's it. That's the three warnings from Jude. If you want to be a kingdom person, you can't have it your way. If you want to succeed in the kingdom of God, you can't let man or money take your eyes off the goal. And you certainly don't want to burst hell wide open. Let's pray. Father, some of us are here, think we can do it our way. We've been trying to explain the kingdom to God all along and why our way won't work as good as his way even though when we can't even convince ourselves our way is working for us Jude says just repent of that you're not going to succeed doing it your way or many of us like Balaam profit margin power prominence the man's approval causes us to look at the world rather than heaven and we, we miss heaven for the world or certainly Lord uh, the most of us are stubborn and we like to like to be boss. We, we like to rebel against God or who He puts in a position. But that'll cause us to burst out wide open. If Jesus had delivered this message this morning, Lord, He would just said, Let those who have ears hear. That should be sufficient. We ought to respond this morning to whatever way the Holy Spirit is encouraging us to respond. As these posts post, uh, sing for us, Lord, and lead us in worship. Let's make sure that, that what we do now in this part of the service, God receives and is pleased.